Bible is our theme today, and as I mentioned this morning, we would cover three in the morning and four in the evening. This morning, we enjoyed looking at the kiss of welcome, at the kiss of restored fellowship, and at the kiss of love. Tonight, we begin with the kiss of gratitude, and we again look into the Old Testament for the story that brings this truth so vivid to our attention. 2 Samuel chapter 19, verse number 39. That verse reads, And all the people went over Jordan, and when the king was come over, the king kissed Barzillai and blessed him, and he returned unto his own place. Now, as has been the case in all of these stories or incidents, there is a story behind the verse. So let me briefly share that story with you. At one time, David fled to Mahanaim, and there an old man by the name of Barzillai cared for him, hid him from his enemies, and supplied his needs. It was a time when David needed a servant helper. And Barzillai became that in the life of David. David was so grateful that the Bible says, Come with me to Jerusalem, and I will take care of you the rest of your life. That was the essence of David's gratitude. Well, as is often the case with older people, they're not too ready to get up and move. Barzillai was 80 years of age, didn't want to leave his home place, so he declined the offer of the king. They walked together as far as the Jordan River, and as they came to say goodbye, David instinctively threw his arms around this aged man and planted a kiss of gratitude upon his cheek. It's a beautiful story and a lovely picture indeed. I hope you can capture it after the loving service of Barzillai to David. What could David do but to do what he did, offer him upkeep for the rest of his life when that was refused? He embraced him and he kissed him, which was the highest sign of gratitude and thankfulness that he could give this man at this point in his life. Now, the spiritual lessons are great. We have an annual day called Thanksgiving Day. It's more of a detriment many times than it is an asset because we have the tendency to look toward that third Thursday of the month of November and say, I will do my Thanksgiving then, when in reality we ought to be doing it every day we live. A Christian especially, ought to be careful to express their gratitude. If someone has shown you a kindness, let that person feel your gratitude and your appreciation. 
One of the highlights of ministry for any of us who conduct weddings is when the bride, in her exuberance and her gratitude that you performed the ceremony and brought them through this most interesting time, comes and plants a kiss upon your cheek. It's wonderful. <laughs> Always look forward to that. I'm not so old that I don't appreciate that. And any minister who says that they don't is lying. <laughs> it is a beautiful gesture at a time of joy. And it's most natural. Easy to understand, unsolicited. But I think we ought to do it more than just when we're married. We ought to restore the act of gratitude on a daily basis. It is still appropriate to write notes of thanks. It is still appropriate to plant kisses of gratitude upon certain cheeks. It is appropriate to send gifts or letters or some kind of remembrance for those like Barzillai who have done something special for you, when in reality they did not really have to do that. An old soldier in Georgia after the Civil War decided to run for an office in that state against a younger man. A friend of the old soldier, while they were campaigning on one occasion, rushed to the platform where the two were making speeches pointed to the empty sleeve and the scar on the old soldier's face and urged the people to remember these things on election day. And they did. And they voted him into office because of gratitude for what this man had done for them by fighting in that war. How is our gratitude toward the Lord today? He was wounded for us. He bled and he died for us. He went to Calvary for us. There are wounds even in eternity that show in his hands, his feet, his head, his side. He is still, according to the revelation, the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. We owe everything to him. And yet we're very, very slow at giving gratitude to the Lord who has done so much for us. Sometimes we have to be begged to do it when it ought to be a natural outflow out of our heart, just like David kissing Bezalel at that particular point in the journey at the Jordan River when they were parting company. How easy is it for you to express gratitude to God and then gratitude to others for things that have been done in your life? Take stock, take inventory, take note of it tonight, will you? When Bezalel could not follow through on the uh, invitation of the king, he could at least accept the kiss of gratitude that was given to him on that day. I would love to see that revived. I think we as Americans have gotten a little stoic and a little bit aloof 
in our relationship with one another and relationships even vertically with God. And I would like to see us come back to a greater flow of appreciation and thankfulness for what is happening in our lives on a daily basis. It takes time, it takes thought, it takes effort, but it ought to be what flows out of a Christian's life in a very natural way. Would you look at your life in that sense? See how you're doing? Is it difficult for you to sing to the Lord, to clap unto the Lord, to give offerings unto the Lord? Is it difficult for you to express thankfulness to family members and to friends who are ministering to you in some way? To the young people, boys and girls here, is it difficult for you to say, thank you, Mom, for that meal. That was terrific. That was one of my favorites. Is it difficult to thank Dad for something he has taken time to do that he didn't have to do? It was just a special thing. Invariably, when conducting funerals, the anguish that is sensed is usually in the lives of children who have said to me many, many times, oh, I wish I would have said thank you. I wish I would have shown my gratitude while they were alive, and now it's too late. Well, friend, that's why I'm here preaching to you tonight. There is time now. It's not too late now if you put it into motion and you begin to act upon this kiss of gratitude. David moved in his heart loved this man for what he had done in his life. Let us follow his example. The next kiss is the kiss of betrayal, and as I said this morning, it's the only one in the Bible that does not have some positive connotation to it. It's found in Matthew 26, verse 49, and forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. I don't know if you've ever thought of the spiritual lesson involved in this kiss of betrayal or not, but it's there. Judas betrayed the Lord. Today, men do the same. That's the lesson. It's possible to do the same thing today as Judas did at that time in the garden. Now, how do we betray the Lord? Well, we betray him by our sins. We betray him by the words that we speak, by the thoughts that we think. We betray him by not following through on commitments that we make. It is just the same as Judas walking up to Jesus in the garden and planting a kiss upon his cheek to betray him to the soldiers that were there. But how often do we think about it? We have a tendency to say, well, this is just a weakness that I have. This is just a problem that I'm fighting my way through, or this is just part of my genes. I can't help it. When in reality, we are doing exactly what Judas did because Jesus expects better of us. We are his children, his followers, his friends. And yet we betray him by listening to the smutty stories and entering into the laughter. We betray him by the thought patterns of our minds that are not godly and not holy. We betray him by the acts of our lives so often that are not in keeping with the teachings of his word. 
Would you think about this with me for a moment? It only took Judas a few minutes of his life to betray Jesus, but he's been paying for it ever since. That stuns me when I think about it. Only a few moments, and yet he has been in the regions of darkness and damnation ever since that day. It is not altogether unlike what we read so often in the newspaper. Someone who was just for a short period of time going to do something that they had never tried, never been involved in before, but it turned out to be their demise, their death, the tragedy of their existence on earth. When you translate that into the spiritual realm, it translates much the same. We don't intend it to be the death of death. We don't intend it to be that which will pull us away from the Lord on a permanent basis. We just want to see what it's like. A little bit of compromise. Just a little bit of betrayal but we live to regret it forever. That's why Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And out of the heart are the issues of life, so we are to guard our heart every day. That act of betrayal was the result of thoughts. It was the result of activity in the mind and in the heart of Judas, which eventually was translated into that horrible deed of betrayal. And whenever we read it and whenever we hear the story of it, we say, how could he do it? And yet we do the same thing by going back on our promise to God, by compromising the Word of God, by living loosely and not remembering that the pure in heart are they that will see the Lord. Along with the kiss of gratitude, I would like to suggest that we have an emphasis on being pure in heart, that we guard the thoughts, that we guard our actions, that we guard our words, because all of those things that are not in keeping with his will and with his word betray him again in this world and could even lead others away from him because of our carelessness. What a kiss that was, that kiss of betrayal. I don't want to be caught in that position, do you? I don't want to be caught planning a kiss of betrayal on the cheek of my Lord. I want my life to speak well of him. I want my life to lead others to him. I want my words to inspire, not to pull down. I want my thoughts to edify, not to destroy. And I pray that's your desire tonight as well. Remember, in all of the kisses of the Bible, there is that kiss of betrayal. I would not want to end on the negative note, so let's go to the kiss of reconciliation. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Now, do you know where that's found? You ought to know. It's the 15th chapter of the Gospel of St. Luke. 
the story of the prodigal, verse number 20. What a fabulous story it is. This prodigal son who took what he thought was coming to him and went into a far country and wasted it all in riotous living. We don't know how long he was gone, but it was a season. It was a time. He was disheveled. He was hungry. He was forlorn. He was totally destitute. He had wasted it all. It had affected him from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. He was not the same as when he left home. But one day he decided that he had had enough of it that the servants at home fared better than he, and he ought to go back. But every step that led him closer to home, a question arose, what would his father do? Would his father receive him? And verse 20 tells us exactly what happened. His father ran to meet him, fell on his neck and kissed him. He was so glad to see his son back home. Do I need to relate to you the spiritual lesson? In the far country of sin, you are never satisfied. Some of you may be here tonight, just wandered into this church. You're not even sure why you are here. Maybe it's for this line right here. In the far country of sin, you're never satisfied. It's one thing to the next. Again, you witness it in society all the time. The person on hard drugs never started there. It's always with something back here, and they lead up to here. They get farther and farther away with every act and with every decision, with every choice. The marriage doesn't break up just overnight. It's one day built upon another that leads people farther and farther away from home until suddenly the crash comes. Lives are ended in wreckage and despair. Did you read of that mother who was throwing her seven children into the water? There was no hope, hopelessness in a far country going to destroy all of them when someone observed what was taking place and rescued all but one. One is dead, another not doing well. But what a tragic thing to think of in a world that is as modern as our world is in so many ways. But it's the story of the prodigal, isn't it? We get into a far country and we're never satisfied and we end up in hopelessness and despair. Why is it that we do not understand that the husks of Satan are bitter? They're bitter husks. They don't satisfy. We're not made for husks. We are made for the king's table. And we ought never, never to stoop to less. There is the kiss of reconciliation for all of us who wander away. God came to bring peace in our soul. He's waiting now with that kiss of reconciliation as was evidenced by the father's reaction to the son who had spent all in riotous living. A Scottish minister was called to the bedside of a dying member of his congregation. 
He said to the dying man, Sandy, tell me how you were converted. Sandy said, oh, Jesus just came and said to me, Sandy, I'll exchange with you. The minister asked Sandy what he meant, and he said, you give me all your sin, and I'll give you my salvation. And I gave him all my years of sin. I gave him my sinful heart, and in return, he gave me his salvation and his righteousness and heaven, Sandy said. He said it was the greatest example of this kiss of reconciliation that could ever be witnessed. He had compassion and fell on his neck and kissed him. The problem is with us, not with God. God has no problem relating to us. God has no problem relating to our waywardness, our far-offness. God has no problem relating to the degradation that often comes into our lives. We have the problem. We wonder how could he ever receive us? How could he ever welcome us? How could he ever kiss us again? How could he ever forgive us for what we have done? Sinning against light many times. But friend, this story tells us it's no problem with the father. He knows how to handle it. He had compassion on him. He fell on his neck and he kissed him. And it's the kiss that always says, you're welcome here. You're forgiven here. You're part of the family here. You are completely exonerated here. If you need that, I want you to know it's available to you tonight in Jesus' name. There's one more kiss that I find in the Bible, and it's in Proverbs 24, verse 26. I call it the kiss of approval. It's a very short little line in Proverbs 24. It says, Every man shall kiss his lips that giveth a right answer. Every man shall kiss his lips that giveth a right answer. Now, a little bit of history of that part of the world might help in understanding Proverbs 24, 26. In Solomon's day, and Solomon was the writer of the Proverbs, in Solomon's day, approval was expressed by a kiss. If someone did the right thing or gave the right answer, they received the kiss of approval. Now, we don't do it that way, at least in public. It may be at home that the mother will kiss the little child for something that's done that's good and right, but we don't do it out in the public like they did in the Orient in that time. But the picture is so beautiful and the truth is so powerful. It's a spiritual truth. Someday, Jesus Christ wants to say, well done, Thou good and faithful servant, enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. There is in the heart of our Lord an immense desire to approve us, to say to us, well done, you have done well, you have fought a good fight, you have finished the course, you have kept the faith. He wants to plant on us the kiss of approval. I wonder... 
If you think about that, when the going gets a little rough, when you wonder if anybody notices, if anybody pays any attention to what you're doing. One of the old hymn writers said in a hymn, the toils of the road will seem nothing when we get to the end of the way. I think that needs to linger in our minds many times as we struggle along with our Christianity and our service to the Lord. I think we need to remember that when the tendency is to quit teaching the class or quit doing whatever it is you're doing for the Lord because nobody notices or I'm too tired. The toils will see nothing when we get to the end of the way. When we hear Jesus say, well done, and in essence we get that kiss of approval from him, I don't know anything to compare it to in all of this world. I have been given some awards in my life, and I'm grateful for whatever they were and whoever they came from, but I'll tell you this. The thing that I'm looking forward to is standing before him if I am found worthy and to hear him say, Glenn, well done. Well done, faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. I'll tell you, nothing compares to that. I don't care how many struggles, how many bad times you may give me, it'll all be worth it in that moment. The songwriter said, friends will be there I have loved long ago. Joy like a river around me will flow. Yet just a smile from my Savior I know will through the ages be glory for me. Hallelujah. Would the struggle be worth it if there wasn't something better waiting for us? Well, I would wonder. But friends, there's something better waiting for us. There is that wonderful kiss of approval that has been promised us in the economy of God, and I can't wait, and I hope you share the excitement with me tonight. Jesus is looking upon our deeds. James says we are are not only responsible for our faith, but we're responsible for our works. Show me your faith by your works. We all ought to be involved in some way in building the kingdom of God so that one day that kiss of approval may be given. One day that acceptance may be ours as we stand in the presence of our holy God. Proverbs 24, 26 puts it so well. Every man shall kiss his lips that giveth a right answer. It's wrapped up in the Orient's understanding of approval. It was always shown by a kiss. Jesus is standing, waiting for his bride so that he can say to us individually, well done, enter in. 1 Peter 5, 4 reads, And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. The chief shepherd, of course, is Jesus, and when he comes, he's going to give us something that will never pass away. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me on that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. Friends, don't be discouraged. Don't be weary in well-doing. 
It's worth waiting for. It's worth working for. It's worth being faithful for. It is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. His kiss of approval, his welcome home is going to be ours one of these days. It's one of those great kisses of the Bible that teaches us one of the lessons that we must keep in front of us at all times if we're to be faithful. You know that uh, there's a lot of gospel in peanuts. I've shared some of that with you before. Schultz understands truth. And in this Peanuts cartoon strip, Lucy says, guess what? If you don't tell me that you love me, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to hold my breath until I pass out. Looking up from his piano, Schroeder informs her, breath-holding in children is an interesting phenomenon. <laughs> it could indicate a metabolic disorder. <laughs> a 40-milligram dose of vitamin B6 twice a day might be helpful. <laughs> I think that's probably it, he said. You need vitamin B6. You might also consider eating more bananas, avocados, and beef liver. And then you come to the end of the strip, and here is the climax. Schroeder goes back to his piano. Lucy sighs. I ask for love, and all I get is beef liver. Well, there are a lot of folk who feel a little bit like Lucy. They wonder what life is all about. They have sought for approval. They've sought for recognition. They've sought to be identified with others, and they have sought to somehow utilize their gifts in making life better and making this world better, but they don't seem to make it. They don't seem to arrive. They seem to be just a little bit short, at least in their own eyes. And there's frustration and there's loneliness and there's reason to quit so often. I see it every day. It bothers me immensely that we cannot understand that faithfulness is a key that God's love is the most important thing, whether we ever sense it from anybody else or not, which I pray we will. But if we know God loves us, and if we go, know God is observing us, and if we know His kiss of approval is upon us, and we are forgiven by Him, and we are upheld by Him, and one day we will stand before Him, and we will hear Him say, well done, and the crown of righteousness will be given us never to be taken away. I say we can make it if we understand that. We can make it all the way. His welcome home, his well done, his understanding of our shortcomings as well as our successes will make everything worthwhile. I just want to encourage you in these closing moments to kind of sit up a little bit taller and a little bit straighter and 
to get a hold of yourself a little bit better in light of these kisses of the Bible that come flooding through the pages of God's Word. That there is recognition being given, that there is approval being granted, that there is hope for everyone and there's love for everyone. And the great crowning day of it all is just ahead of us, just ahead of us. People have been asking me all week, what do you think about this Libyan situation in light of Bible prophecy? <laughs> well, what can you think except just one step closer, neighbor? Just one step closer, that's all. My goodness, when you think of the possibilities of what has happened and what might happen in the very near future, it ought to blow your mind. If Russia gets upset enough about what's going on over there, that whole Mediterranean area could be turned into an Armageddon. They could come against Israel from the north, as the Bible says it will happen someday. It's getting so close. It's getting so apparent that we're right there near that time when the clock will strike midnight and Jesus will come that there ought to be reason enough for any of us at whatever state we are in to hold on just a little bit longer and firm up just a little bit better and to say, with God's help, I'm going to make it. 1 Peter 5, verse 14, Paul said, when you come together, give each other a kiss of love. Well, I'm giving you a kiss of love tonight, an encouragement from God's Word that everything will be all right. And you have every reason to keep on pressing on and serving Jesus with all your heart. It will be worth it all when we see Christ. Life's trials will seem so small when we see him. One glimpse of his dear face, all sorrow will erase. It will be worth it all when we see Christ. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you tonight for the truth of the Word of God. We thank you for these seven kisses of the Bible that teach us so much about how we ought to live today, how we ought to be serving you today. We pray that in these closing moments of this gospel service, your Holy Spirit will sweep from one side to the other. You will encourage each person to move a little closer to you, Lord. Get a little closer to your heart, to your desire, a little farther away from the things of this world that hold us back. May we somehow receive tonight your kiss of approval that will thrust us forward to greater works, to greater deeds for the glory of God. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, and we want to serve you until we die. We want to bless you always for everything that you've done for us. Now, with our heads bowed, could I ask tonight if you have come into this service without faith in Jesus Christ, you've come into this meeting without a real personal relationship with God, Jesus Christ stands ready to help and to touch you. Would you like to raise your hand and say, Pastor Cole, I need his kiss of reconciliation and approval. 
I want to give my life to him. I know this is the hour I need to do that. I raise my hand for your prayer. I want to surrender to Jesus. Raise it up right now, will you? Wherever you are, hold it there until I see it. Thank you, right over here. God bless you. Others, raise them up. Hold them there until I see the hand. Thank you back there, yes, and over here another. God bless you. On my left-hand side, I see those hands. Are there others while we wait a moment? Yes, back there toward the back on the right. Thank you. Thank you. Is there someone else? Just lift it right up. Don't be ashamed. God loves you. We love you. This is a golden opportunity to get right with God through Jesus Christ. Lift your hand and say by that hand, I surrender. I give up. I give Christ my life tonight. Someone else, raise it up right now. Lift it up. Don't be afraid. He loves you. We want to pray for you. God bless you. Yes, over on my left, far over. Thank you over there. Praise the Lord. How many of you in this room tonight, just before we pray for these, have not yet experienced Acts 2-4, the Pentecostal outpouring of the Holy Spirit, where in obedience to Jesus, the disciples of our Lord went to the upper room to tarry for the promise of the Father. And as they tarried, the Holy Ghost descended. They all spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, and they went out as flaming fires to touch their world. We believe it's for every Christian, every follower of Christ, for power and for witness. How many of you would say, I haven't received that, but I'm a candidate? May I see your hand? Just lift it up right now, wherever you are. Oh, yes, there are quite a number. I want to suggest this. Just as soon as we stand, that we utilize the room over to your right, S7. Pastor Knight, Pastor Coco will be there to assist you. We want them to minister to you that you might enter into this, your inheritance in the faith, your Pentecostal inheritance. I would encourage you to go because most every time we've opened that room for this kind of ministry, almost everybody has received their Pentecostal inheritance, their prayer language, and it's so valuable to us in ministry today. So you go there as soon as we stand in a moment. God bless you for raising your hand. Now, Lord Jesus, we pray for these who raise their hands saying we need Jesus in our lives. May faith come now and may fear disappear. May salvation come and sin disappear. May these people walk into the kingdom of God tonight by faith, receiving the kiss of forgiveness, of welcome, of reconciliation. May they know that you're for them, not against them. And may their name be written in the Lamb's book of life, and may they follow through with water baptism as a testimony of their faith. And for those who are going to the room for prayer, for the baptism in the Holy Spirit, fill them, Lord, full and overflowing. May there be a great outflowing tonight of the Pentecostal gift. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're going to do in these closing moments of this service. We ask in Christ's name, amen. Let's all rise together, please, and the pastors will make their way over there that I have mentioned. I'd like for those of you who are desirous of this time of prayer and ministry to make your way first.
down and over across to the opening over there into the room where this ministry may be given. And don't hold back. If you're with somebody, they'll wait for you, I assure you. It will be a real exciting time of ministry, and God will fill you with his Holy Spirit. For those of you who have lifted your hand and you have said, I want Christ in my life tonight, I want you to come. There will be workers here, staff persons here to pray with you and help you. We have material we want to give to those of you who are making decisions for Christ. And I want to invite you to come right down here to the front where we can pray together and give you the material that is needed as we give ourselves to Jesus. And I want you to do it without hesitation. In our bulletin today, one of the choruses that was printed is Jesus' name above all names. I think we sang it through this morning one time at least, but I want us to sing it again tonight. It's through Jesus that we have all of these kisses available to us today. Kiss of welcome, the kiss of renewed fellowship, the kiss of reconciliation, of approval, and so on. And I want us to move toward the place of prayer as we sing. Jesus, name above all names, beautiful Savior, glorious Lord. Those of you who raised your hand, come forward. Let us pray with you and have this moment together before we dismiss. Sing and come as we sing. Jesus, name above all names, beautiful Savior, glorious Lord, Emmanuel, God is with us, blessed Redeemer, living Word, oh Jesus. Jesus, name above all names, beautiful Savior, glorious Lord, Emmanuel, God is with us, blessed Redeemer, several of you that raised a hand a moment ago indicating your need of Christ. Here at Capital Christian Center, we found the importance of inviting people to make a public stand, lest when you leave this building, the devil work against you to take away faith. And as Jesus said in his parable about the seed, the sower went out and sowed seed, but it fell upon shallow ground and some in thorny ground and rocky ground and the birds came and took it away. It's the picture of the devil taking the seed away after the sower has thrown it out. But let it fall on fertile soil. Take a step toward the altar and let us minister to you. I would ask also that any of you that today have felt the tug of the Holy Spirit in some area of your life and you would like someone to pray with you. Maybe it's a family need. Maybe it's that you need more gratitude in your life, more freedom and deliverance in some area of your life. You come. Let us pray with you and for you and Jesus will help as we take time for his touch. Sing it again. You come now. Don't hold back.
Jesus, name above all names, beautiful Savior, glorious Lord, Emmanuel, God is with us, blessed Redeemer, living Word, is the Savior of my Say.